0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. (laughs)
0: Hour two here on the sports complex here on the horn. We'll get into a little college football talk, a little NFL. Of course, more of your text messages, 512-447-3776 is the text line poll of the day. What is the best all-star event in sports? After we had the Pro Bowl this weekend, we'll get into a little bit more, but your events that you like the most, the events you like in any sport and the all-star weekend, what do you enjoy about all-star weekends? Are you just done with them all together? They're no good. Do you want to get rid of all-star weekends? Do you want to you have a solution to fix all-star weekends? I'd love to hear it. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. Uh I do want to get some NFL talk. And then we'll talk Senior Bowl in a minute, too. We were playing a clip earlier with Jerry Hamilton and Aaron Hogan talking about uh, you know, that Big Ten SEC advisory panel or board or whatever it is that they are starting to meet to discuss things. Something that may come up that may start to press it. Uh, This was uh, reported uh, about 4 o'clock today uh, from Pete Nakos. uh, He says, Major college sports news, the National Labor, Labor Relations Board Regional Director in Region 1, that's a long one, in Boston, has issued a decision ruling Dartmouth men's basketball players are employees of Dartmouth. The NLRB ordering a union election. So basically saying it's one school that put in a – asked legally to be able to be claimed as uh, employees. And so far, the the courts at that level have decided that they are going to be considered employees. So we have a case now – where there are employees in college sports. Now, from what I'm trying to read, and this all came out at four, so there's not a lot of people that are got there yet, and and, you you can't read a ton on it yet, but they're saying that will be appealed, so it does not necessarily mean that it will hold. This was a similar thing that happened in 2015 uh, that was appealed and eventually turned down, so it does not mean the end yet, but it does mean that that Big Ten SEC advisory board that is joining just got the first piece of, oh, crap, this may not be... We may not have the length of time we thought we were going to have. We may not have the runway of, okay, let's kind of ease into this over the next five to ten years. This may be a, this needs to happen in the next two to three years. Uh, I think that they'll be able to legally postpone things and push it off for at least five, but you never know in these types of situations. But it does seem to be pushing more and more to people having to figure out, especially in college football, where there's just going to be so much money and so many eyes on it, uh, how to fix the problems and put some guardrails up for transfer portal put some guardrails up for uh you know for uh, for recruiting and put some guardrails up for NIL to try and you know just find a middle ground where the NCAA doesn't care cuz they all want it to go away they just want to keep making their money they may have pushed too far this time and rulings like this if they continue to come down will effectively uh start to kill the NCAA and allow for the, the conferences to make their own new system, especially for college football. Uh, but that is big news that Dartmouth players, basketball players, have won their suits and are now considered employees of Dartmouth. Uh, let's see what spanning effects. Again, that will most likely be appealed is what I'm reading. Uh, and then that will mean that there will be and then another piece of time until anything happens. But that is big news. After we saw the Big Ten and SEC form their advisory board, uh, this seems to be big news of someone starting to unionize in sports and college players starting to unionize uh where that could end up uh we will have to wait and see with uh with that news but that is big there uh also in college sports the senior bowl was on uh saturday it was not a great game we saw players not really knowing how to play with each other and you know trying to rotate guys out and and then apparently the ball was slippery i guess and uh, it ends up national. The national team beats the American team sixteen to seven. Uh, Christian Jones has an okay showing. Tavondre Sweat with the, included with the practices and everything involved in it, uh, continue to show. We had some highlights where he wasn't necessarily making the biggest plays, but if you were watching him, which these the scouts are watching, uh, they were still double teaming him basically every single play, and he was getting double teamed and still making tackles and disrupting and run games. Where I don't know if there's anyone. Uh, if you're trying to find a run stopper right now, I don't know too many guys that you would say would be below him or above him as a run stopper. Seem to continue to rise his draft stock. We know Byron Murphy is still being ranked as uh, getting drafted ahead of him, but I think both those guys could find themselves in the first round. If Tavondre Sweat, uh, we'll see what his measurables are and his speed. If he shows speed and and you know agility and all of that in the combine. It could be more of a reason for someone to take a shot on him. He will either be that or usually, probably an early second-round pick. Uh, But Tavondre Sweat going up those charts, realizing what Texas fans already know, and that is that Tavondre Sweat is a menace on the football field. And that guy, you know, I I, I don't get why people are not so sold on it. I know you could put a different pieces, and it's a defensive tackle, and defensive tackles are not always, you know, Especially run stopping defensive tackles may not be the you know the guy you want to get in the first round. You want to get uh, uh, an edge, or you want to get a, a cornerback, or you want to get another piece. So it's more position based of why he's not a first round pick right now. Uh, but that guy is that guy's another level of physicality and what he did in practice and watching him bend guys up and just push guys around, knowing that he's somebody that if you put him on the right team. Especially if you have an edge and you realize that they're going to have to double and they can't double both or else they're going to have to, you know, basically put a tight end on him, you know, put a tight end out there to try and help on the edge a lot more or else, you know, that, that type of playing for Tavondre Sweat, it, it, it he looks, he looks dominant still playing in the senior bowl in that game, uh, looking over at some NFL talk, uh, looking, uh, in the, co- the coaching cycle, the commanders have now hired, Cliff Kingsbury uh, as their offensive coordinator, bringing him in and making you believe that they will at least make a play for that number one pick. And I know Caleb Williams is dividing everybody, but we went through this last year with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, and we know with C.J. Stroud what he ended up being. I don't. C- Caleb Williams is very deci- divisive because you know, especially for Texas fans, because we saw him at OU. He followed Lincoln Riley, who's divisive also. Didn't have a great season at USC. Uh, puts up numbers, but not necessarily the guy. He does things off script, which is not always what you want to see. Uh, but he and he's also been one where he's been thought of as the number one pick for so long that he just kind of is it. Uh, but that could be. You're number two at Washington, so it's not un- unbelievable to think that they could make a trade to move up that number one spot. If Chicago wanted to move down again, uh, they could and get more, more picks or more players or whatever they wanted to get. Uh, but an interesting move there to hire Cliff Kingsbury. This whole, this whole, what what the what the commanders are doing, it, it, this this new ownership seems like they should have brought in some more people to kind of help them. They seem a little bit behind. There's this part now where they're kind of smearing Ben Johnson because they you know they basically he decided not to go there and they were upset about it, so they're kind of smearing him. Uh, They get Dan Quinn, who's a good coach, but I don't think that was their number one choice. Uh, He brings in Cliff Kingsbury to give you another kind of name in there, but another name that I don't know if it's the name that is necessarily the greatest OC. He is definitely in the media, though, a big name. And then for the defense, they do bring in Joe Witt Jr., uh, who is with Dan Quinn at Dallas And now that pushes Dallas to now have to make a different decision. Joe Jr. was thought to be one of the top picks for Dallas at the defensive coordinator position. If you wanted to keep some consistency, especially Mike McCarthy, when you have one more year, if you wanted to try and put somebody in there and just promote from within instead of bringing somebody else in, not knowing the future of the the head coach position past this season with no – and I know Jerry believes in the hope – And so he wants to believe that they will continue to use Mike McCarthy past this season, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will. Uh, If they have another playoff blowout, then you have to move on. So you didn't necessarily want to change scheme. So Joe Witt Jr. would have seemed like the first choice, the guy to go do it. He also said that's his dream job, Uh, but it makes sense for him. Uh, There's some other names that are going to be interviewed for Dallas. They have an interview lineup. They were going to make their choice through a number of different, they weren't going to be rushed to make their choice for Dallas. And for Joe Witt Jr., you can't wait until Washington fills their position for you to wait and go out and then try and, you know, and then maybe lose that job too and then not be able to move up to a DC position. I understand why he did it. He gets to stay with Dan Quinn, who he knows very well. Dan Quinn said today that Joe Witt Jr. will be calling the plays for the commanders. Uh, So a big move for him. It does leave Dallas, again, without their. Now their defensive coordinator left, and he took probably their number one pick as D.C., or at least their internal number one pick. Uh, That's why we've heard names. Mike Vrabel's name has been mentioned, uh, even though there was a report that a GM at the Senior Bowl said that he's so imposing of a figure that some owners and GMs don't want to hire him because he's so imposing of a figure, which if that's true, that explains why the NFL has so many bad decisions. Uh, Ron Rivera, we know, is going to be coming in for an interview. And the interesting name, Mike Zimmer, who had basically been off working and doing some stuff with Deion Sanders. He worked at Jackson State, had been out of the NFL for a little bit, uh, but it has definite ties to Dallas and the Jones family. He is apparently interested in that position now, uh, trying to go win another title with Dallas. It would be an interesting hire to see if they bring in Mike Zimmer. That now feels like the frontrunner, uh, Al Al Harris is somebody that was there that you thought maybe could have been the guy who could have stepped in if you want to keep consistency. Uh, I think the biggest question now is, I think Mike Zimmer might be the guy, is his defense not going to be too outdated? Is he, you know, is he able to move with the times of the NFL? Is he ready to take those next steps and and continue to grow? And can he continue to grow with the players? Is uh, Micah Parsons going to be on board with this? Is Trayvon Diggs, and you know you've you've re-signed Trayvon, so it's not as big of a deal. But you want your defense happy. Are those guys going to be able to go in? And does he want to use your players, or does he need to go out and get his own defense now? And you're you're talking about going all in, but now most of your draft is going to be going to Mike Zimmer, and you can't really put too much on the offense because you're having to build rebuild a defense that needs linebacker help. That you know, if you don't keep Gilmore, depending on what he does, he said you know uh he's a free agent what do you do at that point uh but it's an interesting place because Mike Zimmer might be the front runner now uh for that Dallas defensive coordinator position uh, all this move also means that Eric Bieniemy the highly sought after offensive coordinator but not head coach Eric Bieniemy is uh you know he was with the Chiefs forever he ends up going to the Commanders last year to try and break out and have his own you know get his own success he didn't do terribly with the Commanders for what they had uh, just not a lot of pieces and working with Sam Howser, starting quarterback, uh, but it did not do him any favors. He is now out with bringing in Cliff Kingsbury. They mentioned today after hiring another OC that he was not going to be returning. Uh, and it, he's kind of left in the dark now because there's only two offensive coordinator positions still out. So there's really only a couple places if he wants to not take a step further back for Eric bien If he wants to keep moving forward or at least stay the same at offensive coordinator. Uh, the two positions that are out there, uh, the Chargers, which you assume he's not going to go work with Jim Harbaugh, uh, that feels like a, a you know not a great move for a offensive minded coach who's going to be doing the most of the stuff himself. I don't know if you want to go in there and be you know with Jim Harbaugh. It's possible, uh, but that is one of the open positions, and the other one right now is the Seahawks are looking for their OC, and that one makes a lot of sense if there is no one else. I think Eric me is a hell of a coach. He's done a lot. I think he can bring some of that toughness back. Uh, to that running game help out this uh, help out Gino see if you can get Gino a little bit more out help with your young quarterbacks as well and build them up uh, but I don't mind him in Seattle that that seems like it could be a fit the other piece that you wonder about is there still are Andy Reid retirement rumors those are still coming out that if he especially if he wins another Super Bowl this may be it for him he's 65 years old you know he's not you know the pinnacle of health we can say and you know maybe at sixty five that he's one of those guys that worked really hard but said, man, I always thought I was going to retire at sixty five, and and I don't want to be doing the the you know as hard it is in a hundred working a hundred plus hours a week uh, trying to be a head coach anymore. And I can step back into an advisor role and an executive role with the Chiefs and still be part of the team, but move on. And then you have the question of, well, do you then you bring back the enemy who knows the system and the players all know him and love him, and. You bring him back into the fold, and either he's now the OC and running everything on the offense, and you promote Steve Spagnuolo, the defensive coordinator who's been dominating, or you put, hire Eric Bieniemy as the head coach, and you keep Spags as your defensive coordinator, depending on where all the love and, and, and admiration for each other comes. Uh, that would be an interesting piece. So that's another piece you have to look at. Uh, as for the Seahawks, uh, they did. there is the news that Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, they wanted to bring him in. I'm not sure why you looked at that offense and thought, man, I really need the the mastermind behind the Giants' offense uh, when they have Brian Dayball as coach. But Mike Kafka is a guy they were looking at. But the Giants have blocked them being able to interview him uh, for a lateral move you can block in the NFL for lateral moves. Text line's open, 512-447-3776. you want to join the conversation on there, we'll get back to the text line uh, very shortly. Uh, uh, some other places, the Pro Bowl was this weekend. the NFC does win again, 64-59, uh, to 59, the AFC. That's with all the games added in, and, uh, and the NFC basically won all of the games, I think. Most of the games, the NFC ends up winning. The actual game, if you just looked at what the score was in the actual game, the AFC won. Uh, C.J. Stroud had a shot at the end and couldn't get it in. The rules, I feel like next season they might want to work on actually understanding what the rules of the game were. It's hilarious to watch Ray Lewis get really upset about it and Peyton Manning get really upset about this over and over again. But uh, the, I, look, they were taking it seriously enough. Uh, it was They did pull Gardner Minshew was in near the end, and they decided to put Gardner Minshew back on the bench to put C.J. Stroud in because uh, they figured he was going to give him the best shot to win and did okay. But it, it was a weird... You know, it's, it's flag football. I don't think any of them know how to do that, and especially if you have wide receivers that are like a Keenan Allen who's like, I'm used to contact. I'm not, I'm not the speedster guy. Uh, he You know, he was willing to play but didn't get all the love in that. Uh, and finally, we'll, we'll mention quickly, if anybody wants to start talking about the Super Bowl, 49ers are still a point-and-a-half favorite over the Chiefs. Uh, I kind of thought it would have already switched by now and the Chiefs would be favorite because of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, this is going to be a week-long discussion. We'll keep going on about it. We didn't talk much about it today, uh, but the Super Bowl is going to be a week-long discussion with everybody, uh, kind of getting us ready for it. You know, this is a matchup the more you look at it, it still it feels like the 49ers are supposed to be the loaded team that the chiefs have kind of felt like they haven't had enough pieces all season. but you look at Vegas and you look at everything else, and you say, well the 49ers should be it. But it's Patrick Mahomes and how they got here. And it just seems like the Chiefs, you know, you can't bet against these guys. The defense is playing well. The, Spag, the Steve Spagnola defense is playing better than the, the 49ers defense, especially against, you know, the running back. Like, th- there's paces where that trade for Chase Young for the 49ers where it seemed like it was going to be huge hasn't necessarily been that piece yet. So let me know if we keep getting your thoughts on the Super Bowl. We'll keep talking about it, but I want to talk with you on the text line today, and then we'll start going into pieces and breaking it down as the week goes on, and there's not as much other news we got to hit before uh, we got to get to breaks. Uh, so let us know if you've got some takes, if you've got some pieces or questions or you know early thoughts about the Super Bowl on a Monday of Super Bowl weekend. Hit those up on the text line. 512-447-3776 is the text line number. We'll take a quick break. When we we'll come back, we'll get to the text line, and we'll play a little bit more of another hook-em-up replay here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.
1: Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. We take afternoons only on the horn.
0: That goes Sports Complex on the horn, playing Super Bowl halftime show performers all week long here on the horn, getting you ready for the Super Bowl on Sunday. It is going to be a good Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, look, and as much as anybody can say about anything else, is two teams and there's not necessarily, you know, the fan favorite of people who they want to see something new and and see something different or whatever. It, it's two really good football teams, and we know that. It's two really good football teams. It's not somebody who kind of lucked their way into it where you're not sure what's going to happen, and it seems one-sided. It is the game that San Francisco is favored in against the team that it feels like it's it's sacrilege now to bet against. But that's just me. Text line's open 512-447-3776. Uh, texter, one of the haters, says Texas men's basketball is consistently inconsistent. Have you watched college basketball? I feel like that's college basketball is consistently inconsistent. I don't know if there's a team in college basketball in 2024 that is not is somewhat inconsistent. Because it used to be you get away with getting more consistent teams by threatening to bench players and ruin their NBA dreams, by verbally abusing players, by doing a lot of things that would not be viewed as okay in 2024, and all the players would transfer. You would not have no recruits and no players. Uh, back in the day, though, you get away with that a lot more. Uh, you can't get away with that anymore. And so you have to coach in a different way, which means there's going to be more inconsistency because you can't, you know, lie, cheat, and steal your way to getting guys forced to really just this is all they do and they practice, you know, you forget class, you practice all day. That was what some of these places, and even then, even 20 years ago, there was still mostly inconsistency in college basketball because they are young men and it's just there's a lot of teams. So you're not going to get necessarily always five stars uh texter says uh matchup is key for texas men's to make a run we could get lucky i I mean i think it's hard to get all the way there this year unless the team starts to play a little bit more uh effectively and those some of those players that uh we mentioned like if max ace starts to turn it on in the the big 12 tournament then who knows but i've not seen him yet become that guy uh, you know for two or three games in a row if he does that then anything's possible but until then Uh, And then also uh, for our poll today, MLB Home Run Derby event without question the best. I like the Home Run Derby. I like that they keep trying to change it up to and make it work. But it is a fun tournament. That is one that if participation could be a little bit more, and I know it can't. I know participation is probably the the key to everything. uh, It could be even more fun. Uh, Texter says, the problem with the NFL Pro Bowl activities is the player's compensation is Uh, for participation is completely controlled by their agents. No pay, no play. Also, all activities are supported by corporate sponsorship. No sponsor, no Pro Bowl activity. These two factors are going to kill it. I I, somewhat, I mean, you're going to get sponsors for anything. Like they're the NFL. They can get their sponsors and they can put money on it. Uh, I don't think that that part of it is too much of a problem. Uh, I get that player participation is not necessarily, and that's kind of why you get the O and D linemen to do a lot of the other stuff. Uh, and you get people that aren't necessarily the top guys. That's why Injoku and, and Puka Nakua were the two guys uh, trying to do the biggest catch because it was like, okay, we're well, not going to get the biggest names to go do that because they're not going to risk you know hurting themselves or looking like a fool. They don't want to hurt their brand. But I think there's still ways to try and make it more fun of events where you go. Well, we don't need necessarily the best. You know, Gardner Minshew's there. He's a good guy, good player, but I bet he would be willing to do some more dumb stuff. You know, we can, we can get him on some, like, make it more of the Battle of the Network star kind of thing. Go with that route instead of, you know, trying to just be like, we have to have these names, not care. I feel like that's always going to be the losing bet. And Nate says, okay, the slam dunk contest is still the one for me, even if it's not what it used to be. I always feel like it could come back. And every year you're like, maybe if they get the right guys. Uh, and then they don't, and they get lesser and lesser guys. The three point shootout is a star show now. And then, but also juicy, we can talk about this more tomorrow if we want to, I don't know how much, but they are now on all-star weekend. There's going to be a glass over the top court or something to that effect of the court and led lights all throughout the court for all-star for the, uh, all-star skills competition. I don't believe for the game. Uh, but I think for a lot of the other stuff, they will be, they're doing the court up. And I've seen the videos of it and stuff, and it's supposed to be all LED. And so it'll be the, the, the visuals of it should be insane. Now, I don't know if the players are like that, if it'll help or it'll make it different or it'll be too showy, but they're trying to make LEDs on the court now uh, during the event. So we'll see how that ends up working. Uh, but that is something they're going to be doing this year uh, for the NBA. So, you know, it could make this land done contest the lighting could help make it something special. I mean, you look at back at the old ones that are great still, and you think, well, they didn't really need all the flair. Like the Vince Young, the Vince Carter ones didn't need all that. But I guess if you need it now, you might as well add it. I want to give you a little hook them up replay here uh, talking about uh, some coaching stuff and some college uh, football coaching and kind of what players and coaches are going through right now and starting off with some Dallas coordinator position talk and rolling through uh, when Mike Craven joined uh, Aaron Hogan this morning with Rob Baveris out on a little hook em up replay here on the Sports Complex.
1: But we're also talking about what's popping with the Cowboys. Uh, Ty, have you, have you said and confirmed Do you, you have an official favorite for Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator? Is it who? Who's your guy? Because I know you, last week we talked about a little bit like Joe Witt Jr. would be a good promotion, um, but he's already you know, landed in Washington. Do you have a favorite for the Cowboys?
0: That, my favorite? My favorite? Yes. Uh, I'd have to agree
2: with you all that Mike Zimmer, just because of the familiar, familiarity with him and the Jones family. Uh, beyond that, my, who I would like to see is Mike Vrabel.
1: Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's kind of the, the fan sentiment because then you know, man, he may end up being our head coach, and mm-hmm. that might be a good move. <laughs> it's so funny. I don't want to say poor Mike McCarthy, but it's some of poor Mike McCarthy that um, you know, everybody in Cowboy Land that I know wanted Dan Quinn to be the head coach. And not Mike McCarthy. And now you may hire Mike Vrabel, whoever's in in. I wish Mike McCarthy was not our coach. I still
2: don't understand what the Titans were thinking. Like any time you fire a head coach, and everybody in your division is happy about it, and then everybody, every fan base in the in the country wants their team to hire that guy, you probably probably fired the wrong dude.
1: Well, and I I think the answer is Amy Adams Strunk. And I will never root for a member of the Adams family. Yeah, no. because I'm a Bud Adams. I don't. Even, I won't even watch the Adams family oh, because of them. Yeah. Well, she's the daughter of Bud Adams, the uh, criminal that he was, mm-hmm. scoundrel. He, um, she essentially said, because I mean, and Rod and I have been through this, but you know, last year or you know, eighteen months ago, Mike Vrabel got at odds with their general manager, and they were there's a lot of friction, and, and most people believe it centered around the AJ Brown trade. That when AJ Brown on draft night was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles, Mike Vrabel was furious about it. Like, what are we doing? I mean, we just traded one of the best young receivers in all of pro football. And, we you know, we got this combination of Derrick Henry pounding the rock. We got this receiver out here that no one can cover. That, you know, Ryan Tannehill was playing his best football at the time. And I think it led to you know, kind of a split of opinion there. I remember, Mike Vrabel, the, the general manager, was brought in with Mike. from the He was from the the, the Patriots tree. And then so they fired him. Mike Vrabel won that power struggle. And Amy Adams Strunk hired Rand Cawthorn from the 49ers. And he came in, and Mike Vrabel couldn't get along with him either. And so they had friction, and I think she just said, you know what, I'm I'm choosing. I, I'm going to take Cawthorne because I think his vision for the future is right, and you can't get along with anybody, so we're going to let you go. Is that a good organizational decision? We'll see. And the fact that Vrabel didn't get a job, I think that there are some folks who think he might be a little bit too prickly. Uh, if you're going to look – in an era of collaboration, and you're trying to work together with a chain of command and those kind of things, and maybe Vrabel kind of kind of shies away from that. Which you know, if he gets hired in Dallas, you know he reports to Jerry Jones, because you know because somebody asked earlier, are the Cowboys kind of unique in that? You know, usually, the head coach hires his defensive coordinator. Usually, whoever the coach is, he makes these decisions. No, 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 not in Dallas. Like, how much of a percentage do you think Mike McCarthy
2: will have say on who the defensive coordinator is? Zero. I mean, five percent, <laughs> maybe. You know, like, um, yeah. I mean, we know who the, the final answer is in, in that. It does. I think this carousel of coaching changes at the college and the pro level has really solidified the idea that, that the game is getting younger. Uh, you know, you see the head coaches um, getting hired in college and the pros, and they, they tend to be younger guys. Bill Belichick didn't get a, a get a job, right? Uh, Pete Carroll's not a head coach in college or something like that. He didn't. He didn't drop down down a level. Um, you know, Dan Quinn got passed over for Mike McDonald, who's a, who's a younger defensive guy out in Seattle, and so it it does feel like uh, collaboration and uh, youth and just kind of doing it a different way is is taking over. But I kind of grew up where the best head coaches were prickly. That was like part of. That's what you wanted as a head coach was somebody who was a little bit, you know, tough to get along with, who was kind of a taskmaster, no nonsense. You know, Vrabel just kind of fits that bill perfectly. I, I'm surprised. If he wanted to be, I'm surprised he's not a head coach. It now. is interesting because you're right about that. and
1: But now, I mean, kind of the, the – Jim Harbaugh is still Jim Harbaugh. He's a weirdo. But, you know, Steve Sarkeesian mold a coach, you know, yeah. kind of a, more of a player's coach, and which is great, right, being vulnerable, you know – Getting down on their level, you know, talking with them, getting connected—that wasn't always the case. And I do think there's kind of a today's player. You got to be able to relate with today's player, motivate today's player, which you know they're they're a different generation. And look, Belichick—I mean, that part. I mean, the only team that interviewed him was Atlanta. Yeah. And if you if you really dig into that interview, the only the only person who wanted to interview him was the owner, Arthur Blank, Rich McKay, the president. Really, they didn't want him. I mean, because they knew he would come in and want to only answer to the owner, which would break down their chain of command that they've built. Again, are these is this good? But this is how organizations are built. And if you, I think everyone's trying to copy what's working, which is what you do in a copycat league. You know, in in Kansas City, Brett Veach works with Andy Reid closely on building the roster and the vision that he and Steve Spagnuolo have for it. Obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes, and that takes it to a different level. You know, in San Francisco, when uh, when Kyle Shanahan was hired. He specifically wanted a general manager, but he wanted to pick the general manager. He wanted to pick the guy that he could work with, and they vi- their vision of football is the same. Same thing happened in Detroit with uh, Matt, with, with with Dan Campbell and and um, their their uh, Brad Holmes, their general manager. And I think we just saw it in Houston with D'Amico, Ryan's and and Bobby and uh, Nick Casario. You want uh, you want the chain of command because the, the head coach can't do all of it, right? You can't do everything. I don't think it's wise to try to do that which is what Bill Belichick's been trying to do in in New New England the last, you know, half decade. And, you know, you want someone to handle the draft board and the scouting and all, you know, the the pickups during the week, all the things that a general manager does week to week and all year round. But you want someone who who sees the game like you do, that you have a a shared vision of the game of football. And the best example is, I think, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch because, you know, John Lynch played for Kyle Shanahan's dad. Um, He's a Hall of Fame player. And they view football the same. So they work together. I'm sure they disagree quite a lot. But that's, that's a healthy chain of command, in my opinion. And the, the Cowboys have none,
2: which, again, Mike McCarthy is going to have no say in who the defensive coordinator is. Tom Brady's been retired for a couple seasons now. If he came out of retirement, he'd have an easier time finding a job than Bill Belichick. Oh, 100%. And that, that, it's just wild to see how fast the greatest of all time, I think we all agree, is the greatest NFL coach of all time, at least the most accomplished NFL coach of all time, um, went without job, you know, that nobody really wanted him around, you know, and, and, like, why that is and how the sport can change uh, so quickly. Because five years ago, that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have been the case, Inconceivable. Obviously.
1: Well, you'd have to trade multiple first-round draft picks to get a Bill Belichick, right, five years ago. I mean, he, well, he's won eight rings as a defensive coordinator, a head coach. I mean, he's unbelievable, the records he set. But at the same time, you know, we thought maybe Vrabel and he would have to be traded for. Yeah. Before they were fired, and neither of them got jobs. (laughs) Probably for similar reasons. Yeah, I think so. I think so. They don't fit in these days. And, you know, one of the reasons Mike
2: McCarthy wasn't fired in Dallas is he does fit in. He fits into exactly what Jerry Jones wants. The players have power in a way that they used to and if the players like you you get to stay around for a little bit longer. If the players don't like you you're gone and that's true in the college level with NIL and stuff as well. Like you have to be a players coach uh, yeah, that's because right. they are they are they are partners in the endeavor with you in a way that they never were before. Yeah. Yep. I mean that's uh that is part of it
1: because everybody blames the players and NIL at the same time. The coaches used to have an iron fist and run the programs way too rigidly which led to all these court losses, by the way, in my opinion. And that's why the NFL lost in court over and over again because they really didn't have legal leg to stand on. That's not how you I – mean, you've got to give some freedom. You can't lock these players in for two seasons. That's just not, you know, fundamental fairness. And then, of course, the, the income part of it and the name, image, and likeness. So, yes, now the co- college coaches, they're scurrying for the NFL because, A, it's more time-consuming, and they're not in full control anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they've got to run a business now, and they've got to treat employees really good.
2: Yeah. Uh, because the calendar as well like in the nfl you have set dates of when you're working in the that has to change right and, to change. and in college like i remember when tcu was in the national championship two years ago they had to send half of their staff back from los angeles on a saturday before the game on a on a monday because they had people on Recruits. campus they, they were recruiting right like you recruit i want to say 49 weeks out of the year or something like that yep. um and so uh, if you can get paid roughly the same to go work less we 're all we 're all going to take that sure. i'll t- i 'll take that tomorrow and so oh, uh, I, I, I. it 's just it 's well, they have to do something to, to help these coaches have a little bit of life balance. they're going Or they're going to they're gonna lose them all to burnout.
1: No, there's no question. And we've had that conversation a bunch. I mean, it, it is – the calendar has to change. This is another part of what 2024 needs to have mm-hmm. happen and not just the beginnings of whatever structure they're going to put in place, who is in charge, and what the apparatus is. There's also got to be a calendar change. Because next year, playing a 12-team playoffs is going to play all the way into late January. <laughs> So don't, I mean, don't, even get, don't even get me started. Yes. So that has to be figured out. But point being, you know, the coaches used to have full control, especially at the college level and the NFL. It's getting less and less. And you, you just like in any business, you've got to work to keep the best talent because the best talent can leave. I mean, that's, that's what most people can do. If you hate your job and hate your boss, you, have, you can go. Uh, and you can go work somewhere else and do something else. And that's, keeping, and that's what great companies try to do. They strive to keep the elite talent not run it off because they're not treating them right. You know, at some level, whether you like NIL or not, it's forcing colleges and coaches to, you know, now again, it, it, it swings way too far sometimes, and the kid wants this and wants that and wants to – you know, then then you cut him loose, I would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you do have to uh, re-recruit your own players and, you know, connect with them and make sure they feel like they're a valuable part of your, your organization. And uh, that's, that is a change, uh, for sure.
0: Yes, change is in the air in – college sports for short sure now uh, we got to take our last break we'll come back we'll hit the text line if you got any more for me 512-447-3776 and we will get out of here and get you ready for a Monday night uh, here on the sports complex on the horn 109 and 1260 the horn app and horn FM was- the sports complex with Patrick Davis on the horn all right we got to get out of here appreciate everybody joining us and playing along on the text line Uh, We'll be back tomorrow to discuss more, get more into the Super Bowl, get you ready for Texas versus Iowa State tomorrow night as well. Uh, Getting everything ready. Another big sports week as we wrap up football. I mean, we'll talk about football still. Of course we will. But we're getting closer and closer to the games being over for football. One more this week. We'll talk about it more tomorrow with Texas and uh, everything else. Play along with you guys on the Tech Sign. Until then, be safe, be kind, keep your underwear clean, we'll see you right back here tomorrow for more in the Sports Complex.